Today we're going to wrap this up with something that's been on my heart for a while. So if you would uh, stand as we prepare to read from Matthew chapter 25, this particular passage. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. While I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, shout stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Verse 40, and the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, shout, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear. Bless us to all leave transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said earlier, that for weeks now I've been thinking about this passage. It just kind of got lodged in my spirit. And uh, the fact of the matter is I actually tried to talk myself out of this particular message. But at the end of the day, I just felt totally convicted that, that this was a word I needed to share. So at the end of the day, I'm going to be obedient and share this word. Now, uh, this passage is large in my heart because embedded or hidden in this passage is an issue that is front and center of all of the public discourse today. It's occupying our minds, occupying our Facebooks and our Twitters. It's really captured by the word immigrant. Everybody say immigrant. Immigrant. As we get ready to think together about this, let me, let me just say two things. It's kind of a teaching moment about how Jesus' followers uh, ought to be different. If there ever was a time that we ought to be different, it's certainly now. And when it comes to these political hot-button issues... First of all, we ought to be different in how we engage in it. Can somebody say different? When other folk are engaging and debating with anger and, and hatred, and anger, by the way, is okay. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. But you can be angry. But we ought to engage not with a sense of hatred, but with love. When other people are engaging and they're insensitive and feel not compassionate, we ought to always engage with a sense of compassion and empathy. Why? Because we are Jesus followers. And we're following one who said, you are the light of the world. We're following the one who says, you are the salt of the earth. We're following the one who teaches us how to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Yes. 
How does he teach us that? Well, uh, Scripture tells us that Jesus, who was God, forwent all those privileges and became a servant, became human just like us. In other words, he showed up in our shoes that when he dies on the cross, the righteous one puts on the shoes of those of us who are sinners. And so if we're following him, we ought to be able to step in the other person's shoes. Ask the person next to you, when is the last time you've stepped in somebody else's shoes? I, 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 I come here because, you know, many of us are Jesus followers, and I'm watching you debate immigration on Facebook, and I'm watching you debate it on Twitter, and I'm watching you talk to each other, and some of y'all members of the same congregation right here, and I wouldn't be able to recognize that you are Jesus followed by what you write on Twitter. I, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't recognize it. Now, this text that I pulled out is a, it is a, uh, it, it is a judgment text, really. It begins in verse 31. It says that now this, when the Son of Man, everybody shout when. In other words, the day to come when Jesus is going to show up and everybody's going to have to give an account. It says, so when he comes, he's going to come with his angels. He's going to be seated on the glorious thrones and, and, he, and on all of the peoples of the nations will be for him. And a lot of scholars say that this particular text is really focused on, on the gathering of church folk. Can you say church folk? Now, I wouldn't be surprised at that because First Peter said that the judgment of the Lord will begin with the house of the Lord. So I, I, I kind of get that. And, 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 but the point of the text is, if my mama was here, she would say, you can act crazy and cut a fool if you want. But at some point, those of us who are Jesus followers we have to give an account of how we treat each other over these hot-button political issues. So we ought to engage this stuff differently, shout differently, whatever side of the issue you are. Secondly, the first question we ought to ask when we're trying to deal with these questions, it should not be what is the position of my political party? That's an appropriate question somewhere down the line, but if you're a Jesus follower, it shouldn't be your first question. It should not be, how do I feel about this? That is an appropriate question, but it ought not be your first question if you're a Jesus follower, because a whole lot of stuff goes into our feelings. The first question, everybody shout, what? Yeah, 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 I like your, how you ask questions. The first question really should be, what does God feel about this? Right? The first question really should be, uh, uh, what is the heart of God towards this issue? The first question really should be, how do I respond as a Jesus follower? The first question really should be, what does the Bible teach me? Not in a, not just one verse, but as I think about Scripture, what, what is the breath and the teaching of Scripture? I'm talking to Jesus followers. That's where we should start. I'm not questioning so, let me just say, 
I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to examine the question of how does God feel about immigrants through scripture. And I want to ask all Democrats to leave your Democratic hat at the door. And I want to ask all Republicans to leave your Republican hats at the door, all independent, to leave your independence hats at the door. Now, I know I'm asking for a miracle. I know I am. I know I am because, you know, one of the things you have to recognize, and, and, you know, some of these issues are easier for some than others, right, that all of these social hot-button issues, they have a political side, right? If I, if I talk about abortion, that's in the political side of that, right? For choice, uh, pro-life, pro-choice. If I talk about homosexuality, there's a political side of that. Same-sex marriage, so forth and so on, right, right, right? So, so, so I'm talking about, I, I, I want to talk about immigrants, and there's a political side of this, but I just want to caution you, if, you, if it's possible, 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 get out of CNN and Fox News, just, 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 will you, just, just possibly, just strip down and just walk with me as I walk through the text. Would you, would you do that? Because just, just at the end of the day, when you and I stand before Jesus, He's not going to ask you, were you a good Republican? He's not going to ask you, were you a good Democrat? He's not going to ask you what newspaper you read. He's going to ask you, were you a faithful follower of mine? Was the rule of life for how you lived how I called you to live? So it is. So, the first hint to God's heart as it relates to this question of immigrants it's hidden in this text. Notice, it says that the king will divide folk from the right and the left. And the question he's going to ask comes out of this place. When I was hungry, you, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was a stranger, shout stranger, you welcomed me. Stop right there. If you, see, that baby is, is articulating what some people are feeling right now. <laughs> Y'all know you feel it. And it's like, yeah, ah. <laughs> you feeling it. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. <laughs> Everybody shout, stranger. If you're reading this text in the Greek, what you, when you got to that word stranger, you actually would read the word xenos. Uh, that word translated in the Greek, it means stranger, it means foreigner, it means alien, it means, what well, in our contemporary language, immigrant. Xenos. You'll recognize this word because it's, it's, it's the root of another bigger word called xenophobia. Right? You, you recognize that word. As we think about what is the Bible attitude towards immigrants, what is God's attitude, we get our clue there. But then I challenge you to go home and just do a, just do a reference check through the Bible, and you'll discover in the Old Testament alone, the Bible talks about immigrants 91 times. Can you say 91 times? 
And then the New Testament builds on that and actually uses the paradigm of an immigrant as a way of talking about how we believers actually really are in this world. Aliens and immigrants. Let's look at some of the ways in which the Bible talks about it, just as we work this through. In Exodus 23, 9, here's what, here's what, here's what God says. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners, right? Because you were foreigners in Egypt. On Leviticus 19, verse 33, it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat him. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So the text gives us a real hint that what God would say to us, whatever side of the debate you're on, is that you should enter that debate with a position of compassion and humility. Can you say compassion? Can you say humility? Compassion, compassion. Notice how in those passages that I read, Each time God reminded the nation of Israel, you yourselves were foreigners. You yourselves were immigrants. Now, do I have to point out that if you just look around in here, everybody is an immigrant? That we all have come from somewhere, if not first generation, second generation, and some of us are, they call the nth generation, we can, we can chase, we can trace our heritage all the way back to the Mayflower or to the indigenous people who are here, but we all have immigrant roots. And so the text says, just remember, we all been foreigners in some context. Shout remember. Well, what should Israel remember? First of all, talking about compassion, Israel should remember how they got to Egypt. In Genesis chapter 45, we are reminded that Jacob's, whose name is Israel, that his sons went down to Egypt to buy some grain because their land was full of famine. And ultimately, Joseph invites them to come and live in Egypt to escape the famine in the land. That is a reminder that that whatever your perspective is on the current debate, as one person who I talked to on yesterday who was a member of our community and and part of the quote-unquote immigrant community, documented, said to me, he said, "Uh, Pastor, you need to remember, uh, you should know, that a lot of folk coming from Central America are coming, running from something. And then he explained it to me. He said, in a lot of towns in Guatemala, in El Salvador, in Guatemala, that these gang lords, they control the whole towns. That the police are in their pockets. 
and that they come to people's homes and they say, give me your son. And, and if you deny the, giving them their son, they will kill the whole family. He says, so Pastor, you have to understand that if people are, are pushing their kids out and saying, walk, you know, tons of miles to get to America, you, you've just got to understand that what they're trying to get them out of is something worth running from. Everybody shout running for. Running from. Now we get that. Pastor Tilden uh, and I was talking the other day and he reminded me that his grandfather, 1950, when the communists took over mainland China, had to get out of mainland China. So he hid in a fishing boat. And back in that time, as they were going from one side of the river to the next, they would check to see where there were some people slipping into Hong Kong. The communists, they would take spears and they would spear because he was hid up under the fish. And so they were spearing. And, and one of the reasons I think that he ultimately became a Christian was that they speared and speared and speared and they didn't touch him. Come on now. And he slipped from, he slipped from mainland China into Hong Kong and, 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 and ultimately because he survived, uh, his, his descendants were able to show up here in America and thanks be to God for that because we wouldn't have Pastor Tilden if it wasn't for that. So I, I, and that, that does fit, right? That does fit that the folk who showed up here early on the East Coast, that they were running from religious persecution. We understand that, right? And years later, people showed up who were running from political persecution. We get that. And years later, people showed up who were running from famine. And years later, people showed up from war-torn lands. And, and oftentimes, we show up here because we're running from something. Now, whatever your policy is, and you can hold a policy position all the way around, just hold it with some compassion. Some people are running from something. And then there ought to be humility. That's right, shout humility. Uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, when I was a Zenos, when I was an immigrant, Humility. Well, so what do you mean by humility? Well, I, I, I know that there is a strong and ought to be a strong position for the rule of law. There really should be. But just be, as you argue that point, do it with humility. Do it remembering that America has not always held to that same principle. You see, because I'm African-American. And some of y'all got here running from persecution, religious. Some got here running from uh, 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 political persecution. You came because your, your ancestors came because they wanted to be here. My grandmama, grandmama was a slave. And the millions of Africans who showed up here, which is the reason why I'm here, nobody asked them by papers. 
Nobody asked them, do you want to come? So, and if you're Native Americans, the Native Americans, then you have another story about, about the rule of law. So all I'm saying is I agree with the rule of law, but just remember if you're a Jesus follower, we always have to approach life with grace and truth. We always have to remember that all of us are, have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So take whatever position you want to take, but just make sure it's seasoned with humility. Humility. Can you say humility? Humility. And that ought to come through how you talk with one another. Compassion ought to come through. Humility ought to come through how you debate the issue. Then secondly, you know, there's this notion of awareness. Everybody shout awareness. I like this text because when Jesus finished laying it out, there were the folk there who ultimately responded and 38, 39, they said, wait a moment. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you as a stranger and take him? When did we see you without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and care for you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? We don't remember that. We don't remember that. Actually, when did we do it? And, 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 and Jesus says, watch this, as much as you have done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done to me. Tell the person next to you, now you know. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the topic here, now you know. I mean, in the word of Jesus was saying, you didn't know, but now you know. Now you know how you treat the least of these. Now you know I'm, 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 I'm identified with the... The least of these. All right, here, here's some things. He, he says, so I want you to be aware. Shout awareness. Well, what I need to be aware, whatever your debating position is, be aware of this. Number one, whenever you read about God's position on immigrants in Scripture, immigrants are always looped in with the fatherless, the widow, the childless, with the vulnerable group. Let me, let me, let me, let me demonstrate it. Let me demonstrate it. If you read Zechariah 7.10, here's what it says. Do not oppress, watch this, widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. And do not scheme against each other. Now, there's two parts of that verse I need to take up. Notice the categories. What that category is reminding us of is that oftentimes the immigrant is in the category of the vulnerable. Does this not look like what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew? Hungry, thirsty, stranger, don't have any clothes, sick, in prison. It's the vulnerable. And what God is saying is that, is that, is that, is that Jesus followers ought to have a unique ability to pay attention to the vulnerable. That's an awareness, an awareness. Now, notice the other awareness. Watch this. And do not scheme against each other. Here's a wonderful point. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. If you're not careful, the enemy will use this thing of immigration and cause us to turn on each other. And before it's all over, forget the policy. We will destroy ourselves. And Jesus is saying, be careful. Now, shout awareness. 
awareness there. The other awareness here is be aware of the nuances of the discussion that you're in. Be aware of the nuances. Listen, we all have immigrant roots. We come from Europe and Asia and Pacific Islanders. But be aware of the nuances. Because what's at focus here is the folk who are coming in from Central America across the border. What's at focus here is how they're thinking. There are a lot of immigrants in the country. But when you talk about us, we're all people of color. We all speak Spanish. Be careful of the nuances. When you talk about us and you refer to us as rapists and criminals, be careful of the nuances because that's in the backdrop of America's history around race. And while you're not racist and you're not thinking about it, you're just fully unaware that the nuance of how you're passionately in this debate, you've totally missed the fact that, 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 that we all immigrants, but this particular group, come on. Oh, by the way, if you are a Jesus follower and you hear anybody refer to anybody, group people, as rapists and criminals and pigs, you ought to stand up and say something. Huh? Whatever your position. All right, let me just get personal. Let me get personal. Let me get personal. I grew up in Cushada. And when I was growing up as an African-American, the Ku Klux Klan and Nazis Here's what they said about black folk. They say all black folk are rapists and criminals and lazy. That's what they said. And my mama taught me, and my grandmama taught me, my uncle taught me, my aunt taught me, and my black teachers in school taught me, son, in order to outrun that, you got to be twice as fast, twice as smart, twice as good. Now, I, I just want to say that how, how, how unjust is it to put on the burden of every African-American or every Spanish-speaking person that somehow you've got to prove that you are, y'all ain't listening to me, come on now, because at the end of the day, we all got some crazy people in our families. Come on now. We all got some folk we're embarrassed about. Right? Come on now. They are, there, there are rapists and there are criminals, but they are rapists and criminals because they are broken human beings. Not because they're immigrants and black or they're from this community or that country. We all, listen, in your history, come on now, you got some stuff that you needed God's grace and forgiveness for. Be careful about sweeping a whole group. I'm talking to Jesus followers. Your discourse has to be different. The way you talk about this has to be more nuanced, right? More thoughtful, more sensitive. Whatever your position, you can hold all of the positions. It just has to be informed. And it comes out in how you talk about this stuff. 
awareness. Tell the person next to you, now you know, now you know. And then there's something else about this text. It's what I call radical hospitality. Shout radical hospitality. I mean, look, look what Jesus says. I was a Xenos, but you took me in. This is this, this notion of, of this, this, this notion of radical hospitality. This, 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 that whatever our position is, that we, we, we can't lose that. Now, some people come because they're running from something. Some other people come because they're running towards something. Let me tell you what they're running towards. One of the most inspirational, I used to be a so-called history major and and, and, and one of the things that I, I stumbled across that I have loved for decades is what's written on the plaque that's attached to the Statue of Liberty. Might I remind you, this is the promise that America makes. This is, reflects who we are. Give me your tired, your poor, your other masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. What does that say? What, what, what America has said to the world is that despite our imperfections, we have always believed that, that God has something to do with us showing up here. We've always believed that, that it's, it's the grace of God that has blessed us with our resources. And so we have always believed that we have a responsibility beyond the show, not just for ourselves, it is for other people. And so, and so, and so, and so we, we, we write in our values, give me, give me, give me your tired, your poor, your hollow masses, uh, the wretched refuse from your and, 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 and for me, it sounds like somebody else I heard who said, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. There is a kind of radical hospitality here. All right. Does that mean, Pastor, are you trying to tell me that if I support strong borders, I'm, a, I'm something wrong. No, you should support strong borders. Does that mean that you're saying that everybody ought to come into the country, that we can't say no to everybody? No, we have to say no along the way. What it means, good people, is that whenever we say no, because we are a nation and a people, radical hospitality, we ought to say no with a broken heart. We ought to say no with a praying spirit. We ought to say no thinking about what's not just good for us, but what's good for those that we're saying no to. And, and with the prayer that somewhere down the line that we can be a part of their solution. We should never say no gleefully as though it is a wonderful thing. No, we should say no with a broken heart. You know, anybody ever discipline your kids? I mean, y'all don't do that, but I grew up, and my mama, you know, I don't know, I don't even know if you can do this in California or not, but my mama would spank me, and my daddy would spank me, and they would always confuse me with how they would talk about it. They would say to me, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. 
I never understood that, Father. I, I just, cause I know it hurt me, guys. Come on now. Come on now. But when I got a little older, y'all, come on. And, 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 I, and I got to know my grand aunt. And I, I walked in on her one time. And she had went into a room somewhere. And I walked in and she was crying. Did she discipline me? Yes. Did she do what she had to do? Yes. But she did it with a broken heart. America, we've got to be a nation that, yes, we discipline, but we do it with a broken heart. Do you see the point? Broken heart. And so we've got to be aware. I'm just talking about we have to have this radical radical hospitality and then so I bring this to a close uh, somebody was talking to me today and they were giving me their position and I said you know what I agree with everything you say I'm just challenging you to make sure that it is seasoned with compassion humility awareness and never forget, because you are Jesus' follower, he calls us to be radically hospitable. All right. Now, let me get you out of the debate realm and get you where you live. See, at the end of the day, some of us will have a chance to affect policy, but most of us won't. But all of us can affect tone. The tone in your house, the tone in your community, the tone on Facebook. All of us can affect that. Watch this. And at the end of the day, Jesus says that I'm going to actually judge you. Come on now. Based on, I'm going to hold you accountable. Shout accountability. I'm going to hold you accountable at the end of the day, not by what you say, but by what you do. Now, we're talking about immigrants. Come on now. We have immigrants in our lives. They are, uh, they, they are janitors at the, at the corporations that we work at. They... They are maids that make up our beds in the various hotels and, 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 and in some of our apartments and condos. Uh, 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 they are students who go to school with us. Uh, they, they are colleagues who work with us. They are secretaries who report to us. And in some cases, they are our bosses. In other cases, they have married into our family. So the question is, how do I treat others who are not like me? All right, let me, let me end it here. When I was a kid, you know, if you've been around here a while, I grew up cutting yards. And my, my, my yard cutting business crossed over. Everybody say cross over. Here's what I mean. I started off cutting black people yards. But when I, I got to a certain point, I was cutting black people and white people yards say crossover and I'll never forget it one day remember my town is racially divided everything is seen through black and white you never know if this is a white person who thinks because you're black you're, you're lazy and you're criminal and you're rapist I was cutting yard for this white lady came noontime she says Herman it's time to eat it's a big old nice house. I'm dirty and nasty and black. <laughs> so I said, yes, ma'am. I, I, I was waiting on her to bring me a bag because I, I know this experience. Bring me a bag and say, go around the back and when you finish eating, give me a jar of Kool-Aid when you finish. 
you can get back to work. But not this lady. She came to me and she said, Herman, it's time to eat. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, come on in here. And I was shocked. And she said, come on, come on. And I remember walking in the house. I remember walking through dirty and nasty and black and walking through her living room and walking. She said, keep on coming. And walked through her dining room. She said, keep on coming. And, and then she had her nice table a counter. She said, sit down right here. And I sit down at that table counter. Y'all ain't listening to me. And I sit down at that table counter. And she put me some food down there. And then she put some food down there. And she sat down with me. Y'all, I, I didn't know. I've never known myself to be self-esteem or pride. Ego messed up. But I can tell you, come on now. There was something about the dignity that she gave me by sitting with me and and talking to me and, 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 and my word to you is when is the last time you've talked to an immigrant Jesus would say be radically hospitable stop passing them by hear their story take them to lunch get to know them you can even debate with them if you, if you have, enough, have enough humility to first hear their story know their pain and then share your story isn't that something and then if you start acting like that NBC you'll be different you'll be bridge builders you will be different you'll be tone shapers you will be different you will be not perfect but faithfully representatives of Jesus because here's how it ends most people don't realize that Matthew is unique in this discussion. Jesus is recorded only in Matthew saying, when I was a Zenos. And if you know Matthew well, you know that, that there is a story that is only found in Matthew. It's in chapter 2 where when Jesus was born and Herod wanted to kill him, listen, uh, the text tells us in chapter 2 that his parents took him and went across the border into Egypt. Come on now, he was, he, he, he was shown off a Zenos, a foreigner. And he stayed there for two years, and then he, he came back. Only in Matthew do we find these two remarkable stories. And what Matthew is trying to help us to hear, Jesus, as he says to us, whatever policy you want to have, that's perfectly fine, as long as you execute that policy with the perspective that when I'm dealing with one of these who are the least of these, that I'm looking for the face of Jesus in them. And when it's all over and I stand before him one day of judgment, I want to be able to be able to be comfortable and be able to be confident and say, God, judge me because I treated everybody like I was dealing with you. The end. Give God a hand, praise. Amen. Amen.